I'm Theo. And I'm Juliet. And this is Apologies Accepted. We offer an entertaining look at some of the big issues in history by examining public apologies of the famous and infamous. We're looking at politicians, serial killers, actors, and you. Send us a public apology you would like to make, and we'll read it on the air and give you a chance to redeem yourself or just get some guilt off your shoulders. We're here for you. Once a week, maybe more if you're really, really sorry. I'm not Juliet. And I'm not Theo. And this is... Apologies Accepted. Apologies Accepted, the podcast. Hooray. Welcome back, everybody. Um, today, we're going to discuss how Theo is doing. How are you doing, Theo? <laughs> is that the whole show? <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole show. <laughs> oh, great. You have six hours? because <laughs> We got plenty of time. It's COVID. We're all sitting inside. Tell us, tell us how your week has been. Uh, my week has been great, eventful. We have a puppy... Um, yay! Yay! This puppy will you be staying. You have a golden doodle. We right? have a golden doodle puppy. Uh, and she, I mean, he is the cutest. I have misgendered your dog. He is the cutest thing I have ever seen. He's he is very just adorable. Sweet. And he looks really nice. So, what that as means well is, cute. I mean, cute. Everything I do, I have to do one handed. So it takes me like six times longer to do laundry or wash dishes. You know, you don't have to carry the puppy with you. Well, he cries if I put him in his <laughs> in puppy jail. Do you let him walk around or does he just pee? Uh, he pees a lot. Uh, I've never <laughs> seen a dog that can. I, his middle name is Jesus because if you give him a drop of water, he can produce a gallon. Oh my God. Well, just don't give him any water. Problem solved. Yeah, totally. No, he's adorable. He deserves all the water in the world. You should get him a pool. Yeah. <laughs> he's very sweet. He's great. Um, and yeah, and here we are. It's going to be an adventure for the next couple of months. His name is Henry. Is and he's how old? Uh, eight weeks? He is seven weeks. He will be seven eight weeks. weeks and another on the 29th. So in he's a couple of days, baby. yeah, he's a baby. but he's very cute and he's very sweet and he's so smart. Our last dog who I loved, but my last dog yeah. was my life. Um, yeah, but he was dumb as a brick. He was a breathing <laughs> pillow and Aww. he lived to eat and sleep and Aww. Aww. that was it. And that's why I loved him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my dog is pretty much the same and that's the exact kind of dog I need. Same. So I'm totally happy. But but now you've got a dog that's going to need to be entertained and um, trained and all that stuff. So oh, good yes. luck with that. Yes. And that's why we're going to be looking into the uh, uh, fascinating and wonderful world of dog trainers. Yeah. I, I know a fantastic behaviorist out here in San Francisco, but I don't think that will help you very much. I'm on much. my way. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that and I, great. I, have a, I have a DVD that I'll send you too that she recommended. So for it's called like I don't know something about dogs. How to have a dog? <laughs> How to have a dog for, for idiots? <laughs> she recommended <laughs> totally, specifically for I've me. had one and I still need that DVD. Every dog is different. Uh, but yeah, so that's been my week. And unless it involves a puppy, I have nothing. A puppy or COVID. And then I have nothing else right. to talk about. Right. Oh, and so, God, right. what about you? What's it like out in the real world? 
Oh, God, I wouldn't know. I mean, the weather has been beautiful. It's just a beautiful San Francisco sort of fake spring. Um, and I wish I were getting out in it more, but I'm not because um, of COVID mostly. But um, I could be hiking, but I'm not doing that either because I'm just freaking lazy. But there you go. I mean, it's been really pretty. It's I've enjoyed it from my um, my desk in my house. Um, my, my new job starts on Monday, which is very exciting. Um, going to be doing a lot of fun stuff. And I've got really nothing else to tell you about. So I don't have a new dog, or I just have an old dog. Aww. <laughs> I know, poor me. <laughs> oh, I promise you. So this... Uh, I was going to say, next week, it will be a whole different, what was your week like? It'll be nonstop complaining. It won't be, it's so Nonstop cute. complaining. I had to get new carpeting. <laughs> Has he actually peed on your carpet at all? Yes, several uh, dozen okay. times. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, you'll want a new carpet then, for sure, just for fun. Oh, definitely. Yeah, just to sell the house <laughs> in the future. Um, yeah. But, okay, so I interrupted you. You were going to let everybody know who we are talking yes. about today. Yes, today we're talking about South Carolina Governor Mark Sanford, who you probably remember from 2009 when he was big news. Um Mark Sanford actually disappeared for six days in 2009, and nobody knew where he was. His wife didn't know. His staff didn't know. He had security who didn't know. Um, he had apparently mentioned that he might be going to uh, take some time to write or possibly hike the Appalachian Trail. I never know whether to say Appalachian or Appalachian, because in Pennsylvania, it's Appalachian, and in the South, it's Appalachian. And people get really mad when you pronounce it wrong, but it's just... It's the dumbest thing to what get to mad do? about because who cares? <laughs> who cares? The, uh, yes, right? So I say Appalachian and yeah. probably because I learned about the mountains when I was in North Carolina. And I will say I that hiking the Appalachians is the most Carolinian thing you can do short of taking a so? tour of a plantation. You think so, really? I do. Well, okay, so like a college football game, basketball. Sorry, yeah. everybody. Yeah, basketball. Uh, bad at sports. That's a very Carolinian thing to do. A totally Carolinian, uh, yeah. Going to Myrtle Beach, that's a Carolinian yeah. thing to do. Um, yeah. Drinking Pepsi, Carolinian thing to do. Um, huh. So okay, hiking the trail. I never thought about hiking the trail. Well, as, yeah, it's but just. You're, I'm sure you're right. I just don't know anybody, so I don't know what people do. Well, I mean, anyway, we'll, I guess we'll get to that when we get to the apology. But it's just yeah, like, we'll get to that. It, it, it's such a. I was thinking about my constituents, so I was not paying attention to the argument between my two colleagues. It's just one of those statements. that's like I'm such a hard worker. I'm so devoted to my state. Right. 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 Well, while he was devoted to his state, he was not answering the phone or email or text. Um, his wife apparently had told him two weeks earlier to get out of the house and not to contact them, which I guess he took to an extreme. Um, but he, she also specifically told him not to visit his mistress. So she knew about um, a mistress, and there were some stories that he was going to take some time to write because he'd written a book in the past, and I think he might have mentioned that Um but some people were afraid that he was missing completely. Although apparently his disappearing was not, um, this was not the first time he had disappeared, but it was always for shorter periods. Right. It seems like going off radar was sort of a normal thing. What was exceptional with this was the length of time. I mean, what an asshole. I just got to say, you just don't disappear on your family. 
no matter for how short a period. I mean, you don't you don't even go away for three hours and not answer texts and emails. It's like you know, you, if your your husband or wife texts you, you kind of respond when you notice the text. Even if you're you getting separated, you kind of respond. Even if it's like "fuck you." Yeah, I think so. Um, that's just my opinion, though. But that's how I feel. Um, and his his disappearance raised some questions about who who was actually acting as governor of South Carolina if our governor has disappeared. Um, his spokesperson told the press that he was hiking the Appalachian Trail because he had mentioned that they might do that. But there was a local journalist named Gina Smith. Um, she worked for the newspaper The State, which is the local Columbia, South Carolina paper. Um, and she got a tip somehow. I don't know where she got this tip from that Sanford was in Argentina. So she went to the Atlanta airport. Um, how did she know he was going to fly into Atlanta? Well, so she says it was a hunch. Yeah, it's not a hunch. You don't just have a hunch that somebody's going to do something and then drive down to the Atlanta airport. Drive three and a half hours in one direction. Right. right? Um, But she says it was a hunch. Okay, she said it was a hunch. Um, So she went there and waited. And when he landed, she was there to greet him. And he said, well, you know, I was going to hack the Appalachians, but I thought I would do something more exotic. So I decided to go to Argentina um, without contacting my family, even on Father's Day. But uh, he cut his trip short after his chief of staff told him that he was getting a lot of publicity and he needed to get his ass back into the office. So a few hours later, in a press conference, which is interesting, he admitted to having an affair with an Argentine journalist named Maria Belen Shapur. Um, They had met at a dance in Uruguay in 2001, when he was probably traveling on business. And they had met again at a New York bistro in 2004, and they had two other meetings in New York. One, he was accompanied by a spiritual advisor with his wife's knowledge. Like, what is going on here? Um, but according to Sanford, at least, they didn't have sex until 2008 during an economic development trip that he made to Argentina. To keep things holy and pure. They, right? they just had yeah. an emotional connection. They had an emotional affair. And didn't have sex until 2008. So, okay. Which is possible. I mean, she lived in Argentina and a lot of their being in contact was via email and phone calls. So it's possible they didn't have sex. And honestly, I think the sex part of it is, um, I don't want to say the the least, well, it's the least important part, right? Have you seen her picture? She's she's gorgeous. gorgeous. She's totally gorgeous. She looks like a younger version of his wife. Oh, look at you looking at photos of people. I didn't look at... I looked at photos of people. She's really pretty and his wife is pretty and she looks remarkably like his wife when she was younger, which is not, you know, I mean, how cliche can you get? Um... So he did admit in this news conference that he had been unfaithful to his wife. He said, I developed a relationship with what started out as a dear, dear friend from Argentina. I'm a bottom line kind of guy. I'm just going to lay it out. It's going to hurt and I'm going to let the chips fall where they may, he said, um, who at the time, Sanford, who at the time was a 2012 presidential hopeful. Uh, to Jenny, anybody who has observed her over the last 10, 20 years of my life knows how closely she has stood by my side in campaign after campaign after campaign, he says. I've let down a lot of people, and that's the bottom line, he said. But he went on and on, um, saying, uh, when asked if his wife, he and his wife had separated, he said, I don't know how you want to define that. She's there, I'm here, which is dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Well, there's there's the whole religious thing, right? 
And so he's having a hard time answering that question. I see. Because divorce is kind of against God's law if you're super Christian-y, isn't it? Well, I don't know if it is in the Baptist. I mean, affairs are, right? Uh, yeah, affairs totally are. So even if it's so, not divorce, I mean, what, I, I'm going to shut yeah. up because it's just it, there's too much here. It's, it's crazy. Uh, he said, what I did was wrong, period. I spent the last five days crying in Argentina, which I don't believe for oh, one minute. Oh, give me a break. I'm crying into... Right, like, he would just go home if he felt so bad. Just go home and talk to your wife, but whatever. Um, so then in, on June 30th, in an interview with the Associated Press, he called Shapur his soulmate, although he said he tried to fall back in love with his wife, which, you know, thanks a lot, don't do me any favors. Um he also said he crossed he had crossed the lines with a handful of other women during his 20 years of marriage, but not as far as he did with his mistress. Quote, there was a handful of instances wherein I crossed the lines I shouldn't have crossed as a married man, but never crossed the ultimate line, unquote. Like, thanks for the information. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah. it's, 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 I don't, I keep going. Okay, so he also told reporters that months before his affair became public, he had sought counsel um, with the religious organization called The Family that he'd become a member of when he was a representative in D.C. from 1995 to 2001, and uh, which is also known as The Fellowship, and is one of the most politically well-connected ministries in the world. Uh, sociologist D. Michael Lindsay, who studies the evangelical movement, said that the fellowship has relationships with pretty much every world leader, good and bad, and there are not many organizations in the world that can claim that. And Rob Shank, who is founder of the Washington, D.C. Faith and Action in the Nation's Capital, said that the mystique of the fellowship has helped it gain entree into almost impossible places in the capital. The fellowship's reach into governments around the world is almost impossible to overstate or even grasp, said David Quo, a former special assistant in George W. Bush's Office of Faith-Based and Community Initiatives. Um, the investigative reporter Jeff Charlotte did intensive research in the fellowship's archives before they were closed to the public and also spent a month in 2002 living in a fellowship house near D.C. According to his 2008 book, their theology is an elite fundamentalism that fetishizes political power and wealth, consistently opposes labor movements in the U.S. and abroad, and teaches that laissez-faire economic policy is God's will. So what it he is, thinks is that they're... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, it, it's one of those very specific organizations, or cults, if you will, that mm -hmm. that says... You're in power because God favors you. So you don't need exactly. to feel any guilt for being rich. Exactly. And exactly. supposed to be against God's law or something. I don't know. Um, so if you somehow make it to their to their um, fellowship, you, you are it. the you chosen have God's one. Favor and, and it doesn't matter what you do. Everything we will you do is okay. You. Everything you do is okay. You will be forgiven instantly by God. And that's that's literally what they teach. And it's because they're doing God's work by making yep. God's laws into laws. <laughs> that's right. And he also speaks very positively of people like Hitler, um, Stalin, and hey, other powerful men. I'm going to stop you right there. There is something to be said for getting the trains to run on time. <laughs> And I think that was um, Hitler's big yeah, no. campaign promise. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. Um, so this theo theological teaching of instant forgiveness has given powerful men an excuse 
um, for whatever they do, whether they're um, misdeeds or crimes, and allows them to avoid accepting responsibility or accountability because whatever they're doing is right in the eyes of God, and it is a furtherance of the um, the mission, which is, I guess, to get them into power and get them more money, and that seems to be the extent of it. Um, I don't I don't know what they think God's will is because it seems very um, very vague. God's will is whatever they decide it is. Yeah. Whatever's working for them yeah. in the moment. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a series. Oh my God. There's a documentary on Netflix called the family, which goes into this, uh, organization in great detail and it's very well done. It's done by a Jewish documentarian who went undercover into this uh-huh. Christian, uh, household to become one of the friends of the family and learn about like, what do they do? How do they do it? And and it was interesting because they almost seemed to get him into their fold. There, there's a couple of times where the, where the documentarian whose name I don't remember, uh, says something like, it's not Jeff Charlotte, is it? No, no, it's, uh, okay. Uh, no idea. I can't, oh gosh, I'll have to, Okay. if only there was some way that I could tap on a keyboard and find out, but (laughs) <laughs> Life isn't magic that way. Uh, but anyway, so he says something like, oh, they're really good guys and they're very sincere in their beliefs. And it's like, honey, are you fucking paying attention to who these people are and what they're talking about? Because they, they're they just waiting Weird. to be fully in power and control all branches of the government. And they've almost got the judicial, right? Um Brett Kavanaugh is not there by some accident. And I know that like, oh, the Federalist, oh, the Federalist. Yeah, sure, sure. But uh, Avenue C, I don't know that Brett Kavanaugh is affiliated with Avenue C, but there is this brand of Christianity that's very, uh, whatever we do is fine as long as we are the ones that do it. The documentarian is Jesse Moss, and it was based on the book by Jeff Charlotte. Oh, Okay. So you were right. Even writer. Even writer. Right. (laughs) But yeah, um, the fellowship owns a house in D.C. called C Street and a bunch of Republican, well, mostly Republican Congress people live there and and eat up the um, doctrine, I guess. Uh, And they host weekly prayer breakfasts there and weekly dinners, an annual ambassador luncheon and receptions for foreign dignitaries. So they obviously have a great deal of political power that is not really widely known, Um, although maybe it is after the documentary. I I don't know. they rely totally on private donations, and they got like thirteen million dollars in two thousand seven. Oh, it's it's so. it's ridiculous. And I saw this documentary a few, um, well, pre-pandemic, Days, weeks, so months, okay, like a year ago. Some measure of time that means more than <laughs> one sunrise. More than one and, year. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it's just crazy how powerful they are, and they sort of flew under the radar for 30 years or whatever. Um, but there were three Avenue C guys all around the same time as Mark Sanford, who all had adulterous C-street. affairs and all, Oh, C street. Yeah. And all, I really want to upgrade them. <laughs> yeah. They all had adulterous affairs at the same time. That's right. And, and they all actually suffered from it to some extent. I think, uh, I think only, um, What's his name is the one that's still a, a 
politician, right? Or the other two are as well. I don't know. Uh, the other two were names that rang very faint bells, but mm-hmm. then anytime there's a politician who has an affair, I just immediately get so bored with the story because yeah. it's always the same story. It's always the same story. And and they think it's so special and that they deserve so much consideration for something that apparently everyone does. Um, and Stanford wasn't done apologizing, so he talked to his cabinet the same week he held the press conference and said, based on the way that I disappointed my wife, my boys, close friends, family, South Carolinians at large, I think always the question you have to ask yourself in the context of leadership is what it all means and where do we go from here? And so I've been doing a lot of soul searching on that front. And what I find interesting is the story of David and the way in which he fell mightily. He fell in very, very significant ways, but then picked up the pieces and built from there. It really began with a larger quest well expressed in the book of Psalms on the notion of humility, humility towards other, humility in one's own spirit. At the epicenter of the administrative team really rests with the cabinet. And inasmuch I had not had a chance to apologize to you all personally, I wanted to do so. I made general apologies to the people of South Carolina and the staff at large, but you all are really the epicenter of that team that through about 65,000 state employees serves the people of South Carolina. So I wanted to generally apologize to every one of you for letting you down. The larger question of leadership is what does it mean? Where do we go from here? I think part of what it means going forward is every one of you all have specific duties to the people of South Carolina that you have to perform. And that is with or without me doing right on a given day or me doing wrong on a given day. Those responsibilities still exist. You all better do your job while I'm not doing mine turned into a lecture to the people he was supposed to be apologizing to. I don't know, but I would have been really pissed off if I were one of the people he was talking to at that point. I am pissed off and I don't work for him. I don't work for him. I mean, come on. Anyway. No, you're right. You're right. Absolutely. Um, So the scandal made national headlines. Um, It also led to his censure by the South Carolina General Assembly and led to his resignation as chair of the Republican Governors Association. But he did complete his second term as governor. The state legislature tried to impeach him, but an ad hoc committee unanimously voted to remove the charges from the majority of charges, at least from the investigation and voted six to one against impeachment, stating that, quote, the legislature had better things to do, unquote. That's a long way from Clinton and Lewinsky. It's a very long way from Clinton and Lewinsky, who, by the way, Mark Sanford voted to impeach for having an affair. I bet he did. No, for lying about the affair. Well, lying about the affair, but then... (laughs) He didn't lie about his affair. He said, I had an affair after he got caught, right? So um, he took a one-year hiatus. told the truth after he got caught, right? That's exactly right, yeah. He took a one-year hiatus from politics in 2011 and then ran for Congress again in 2013 um, for his old seat, which uh, the election he which he won, and he served in Congress from 2013 to 2019. But he lost his re-election bid in a Republican primary. Um, then in September 2019, he announced that he would be a candidate for the Republican Party's nomination in the 2020 United States presidential election. So if you think he went away, you were wrong. Um, but he dropped out of the race in November 2019, and he got divorced from his wife, or she divorced him. So she, she'd she had enough, I think, before he ran off. But um, but they got divorced in 2010, 
And in 2012, he became engaged to Maria Belen Shapur, but they broke off their engagement in September 2014. It's very sad. It's sad. True love. And then did they? Broken. Oh, really? Well, so. Tell me. Do you want some gossip? I totally want some gossip. Of course you, you do. Yes, this show up. that's the only thing that makes these stories interesting, right? It's that's like, right. oh yeah, I could see where I might be in the same position, and I'm blah blah, or you know, yay, judgy, judgy, judgy. You're a bad person, right? Yeah. Fine. We can all relate on some level. Part. We've either been there, or it's been done to us, or you know, yeah. we've judged somebody for, for doing it. Um, but there's still the whole like, but what really happened? If what made it so interesting. <laughs> And gossip is a sin. I will remind all of our listeners. So it's not gossip. It's like social lubrication or, or something. Right. It's not <laughs> gossip. It's it's information passing. I think you can say whatever you want as long as you just mention God a lot while you're saying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So yeah. It, God's will. Yeah. Um, which takes me to one of my favorite quotes, where. Mark Sanford had written something on Facebook after his apology tour where he was trying to apologize still even more to people. And in his Facebook post, he said um, his current struggles... Oh, sorry. um, Sanford tied his current struggles to his Christian faith and said he is trying to handle his situation in the manner he believes Christ would have. Because you remember that uh, time that Jesus went hiking on the Appalachian Trail? <laughs> totally. How many times did Jesus have affairs? I mean, it's just callous. It's, it's, there's books on it. Yeah. There's endless <laughs> books on it. Um, okay. So, oh, you know that whole holy blood, holy grail about how Jesus had a kid? No. Dan Brown wrote a book on it, The Da Vinci Code. Oh, God, Dan oh, Brown. Of course really? you do. You know that no, one. No, I don't. I don't know that one, but it sounds intriguing. Oh, so he had an illegitimate child who was sent to France. Um, was it Mary Magdalene's child? I think it was Mary Magdalene's child. <laughs> and they weren't married, and it's kind of like, Jesus had an illegitimate child. Was that child what a bastard? What does that mean for Christianity? Um, yeah. Okay, let's see. So enough picking on Christianity but, you know, I mean, the, the God stuff isn't really the gossipy stuff. Uh, I just mm. find the the hypocrisy worth noting. Um, yeah. I did wrong, but uh, God did too. Let's see here. Um, okay, so our gossip stuff. So what happened? Jenny divorces him, and then he gets engaged to Maria Belen and... I'm going to say he is the luckiest guy in the world because she speaks three languages fluently, Mandarin, Chinese, English, Portuguese, and then Spanish was listed as one of the other languages that that she's conversant in. So there's four. She's apparently from a very wealthy Argentinian family. Argentine? Nian? Sure. Argentinian? Yeah, it's Argentinian. Argentine? I don't know. Argentine. She's from a really wealthy family from Argentine. Argentina. <laughs> Argentina, yeah. And uh, let's see here. Um, and so Jenny, the first wife, not a fan of this Maria Balin situation. 
And Maria kind of hung out in the background and tried not to uh, be a focus of the story. Good luck, right? Because you're beautiful, yeah. you're multilingual, you're wealthy. Um, yeah. And yeah, you know, and you're a reporter. So there's tons of film out there on the internet of you reporting. Like she was in New York on September 11th. And so she covered the uh, September 11th. Um, oh my God. Did we just call it September 11th or 9-11, right? Yeah. I was trying yeah. to think of like the war on America. What's that? What's that day called? <laughs> September 11th. Simple. So Jenny was upset and she had full custody of their kids, but Mm -hmm. she filed a legal request to re sort of, let's look at our divorce again and let's look at the kids again, because I need to do some things here as a good mom. Right. And basically what she said was, that she didn't want her husband to be taking illegal drugs or drinking excessively around the children. Right. And that um, she didn't want her children to be in the same house overnight with his, any woman who could be construed as his paramour. So, yeah. Nice vocabulary use there, Jenny. Um, Wow. Yeah. And is this the Facebook post where she said she didn't, or or, or the court thing where she said she didn't want the children having airplanes flown at them? No, I... That was a requirement that he he not fly airplanes at the children. I was like, what? Are these like real airplanes? (laughs) I I mean, maybe, because uh, the reason we didn't go into Mark (laughs) Sanford's background is... His dad's a surgeon. He grew up wealthy. Um, yeah. And there's not a lot there on the internet about kind of his background. Yeah. And I'm sure that's all very much on purpose. Um, let's see here. So so Jenny files this this lawsuit, right, or, or this request to renegotiate their, their divorce. Uh, not so much settlement, but like around the kids. And... Mark comes back and says, oh, she's just trying to do that to embarrass me. But it seems to get his attention because huh. he breaks up with Maria. Now, mm-hmm. this is the woman that he has spent six days with in Argentina, went offline, yeah. um, comes back. There's this massive media storm around him. He's completely surprised that anybody cares this much at all. And he's standing yeah. behind the microphone and he just tells everybody the truth. Right. Yeah. Which isn't really yeah. the typical move of a politician. Usually right. we try, we, because I'm a politician we too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you talk about how other people need to be doing their jobs, right? And you talk about God a lot. And then you hope that nobody really notices you, but they remember you in the voting booth. Cool. Right. I have just defined American politics. You're welcome. <laughs> um, and so Maria, according to Mark, wasn't thrilled about this lawsuit and it created some tensions and and they decided to split. There's not a lot out there uh, from Maria Belen Shapur on her personal life. And that's on purpose. She's been very clear that her personal life is personal and her professional work speaks for itself. So her on-camera stuff, her writing, it's all there. Can read her. Great. But her life is her life. Total respect. Absolutely. I see. But she did share some of her personal feelings with the New York Times. 
Oh, good for her. Yes. So um, I'm just going to read straight from the New York Times. Please don't sue me, New York Times. Over the intervening months, the relationship collapsed. This is after they have broken off their engagement, right? Okay. This is the woman that he confessed his love for to the world. This is his soulmate, right? His soulmate. His soulmate. Um, And so over the intervening months, the relationship collapsed as the two argued over a wedding date, Ms. Shapur said in an interview on Saturday. Ms. Shapur said Mr. Sanford had asked to delay the marriage by two more years when his son Blake would no longer be a minor and a divorce fight with his ex-wife over visitation rights would be moot. I've already been five years waiting and two years since the engagement, she said. Ms. Shapur was speaking from Paris, where she had just spent the week with Mr. Sanford. We had a great time here. We were like in a honeymoon, she said. I thought he might tell me, okay, let's put a date, end of 2015. But that didn't happen. That's why I wrote to him. I had a spectacular week. You know I love you, but I don't want to continue the category of, I don't want to continue in the category of mistress. And if we continue like this, I continue in that category and I can't bear it anymore. It has been really painful to me. Yeah. She continued. His response was 24 months, if not I'll say goodbye and I will look for you in 24 months. Wow. She said she had asked him to make their break public, but that Mr. Sanford did not warn her before announcing it on Facebook on Friday, catching her off guard. I learned it from the press today, she said. No relationship can stand forever this tension of being forced to pick between the one you love and your own son or daughter, Mr. Stanford wrote in his Facebook post. And for this reason, Belen and I have decided to call off the engagement. Ms. Shapur said on Saturday that she did not buy Mr. Sanford's explanation that his divorce was standing in the way of their marriage and that he should not leave blame on Jenny, which I'm going to say, this is me, not the New York Times, um... I think that's really adult of her, yeah. you know, yeah. on on the one hand. On the other hand, she did have an adulterous sexual affair with this guy that yeah. she has known for 10 years, initially as a friend. And he sent her Christmas cards that were photos of the family in front of, you know, the standard oh American. Oh, my God. Yep. So she saw plenty of, uh, you know, standard oh, American just... family Standing around the Christmas yeah. tree, Jenny and my four uh, sons. But okay, but still, even even still, I thought that was very even adult still. of her to say. Yeah. Um, Ms. Shapur said she felt as if she had been cast aside now that Mr. Sanford was back in political office. I think that I was not useful to him anymore. He made the engagement thing for four months before the elections. So this is not about his son. This is about his career and his ambitions. Mr. Sanford, she said... Truly was the love of my life. But she added, in 24 months, what is it going to be? Um, And I don't know. You know, I mean, there's always this person that we fall in love with who's no Mm -hmm. good for us, who Mm -hmm. is is just our friends don't like, damaging to our lives, and we love them and we throw everything away for them. Right? Um, And... So you could say like, oh, he did that for her. I get the sense that she's doing that for him. Really? You think so? I think so. Well, I mean, I just, and this is me. 
I don't understand what she saw in Mark Sanford. Right. I don't either. I, I looked at her and I'm like, wow, you're beautiful. You could have done a lot better. Obviously yeah. smart. You could have done a lot better. Do you, do you just have a thing for guys from South Carolina or he owns a real estate company, but you know, what could you, I mean, I just, I just don't see it. Right. And also she's not yeah. an American and she doesn't want to be an American. So right. this wasn't, she could have married, if she wanted citizenship, she could have married anybody, blah, 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 blah. So, anybody. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So I just don't get it. Um, pheromones. I don't know who can say, yeah, it's gotta be something like that. I mean, he doesn't strike me as either attractive or interesting well, or particularly nice. So ridiculous, right? All, I mean, just all of it. There's over the top. Oh my God, the love of my life. Oh, there's love. Of my, and I know people do fall uh-huh. in love high, but fine. Um, so they break up and then she says, well, obviously I was a tool for political uh, ambitions, right? And fine. Or I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't useful to him as a tool for political ambition. <gasps> exactly. I, I Maybe yeah. I became more of a distraction than than was necessary. I don't know. Um, But so in 2015 through 2017, there are reported sightings of Mark Sanford and Maria Belen together in seemingly romantic, uh, friendly, public situations. Uh Uh, So they were spotted at a baseball game. Uh, I forget Uh where, uh, and uh, Mr. Sanford was handing beers out to the people around him, sitting in the mm-hmm. benches, and she mm-hmm. was with him. Um, and and yeah, uh, so huh. I just think so it's, maybe they're still dating. There's some things there, right? Something yeah. that's bigger than the two of them. <laughs> that's what he would tell you well i was gonna least. say i'm gonna say uh not his penis but then it's like that's such an obvious <laughs> that's yeah i'm not even gonna dignify that with a response i thought you were gonna say touch that so yeah <laughs> which is another obvious so like of course i'm gonna say something like that um, yeah yeah i mean there's there's not a lot to do with this one because the apology itself, one, he just could, he's still apologizing today for having hurt Christians <laughs> God, and the people up. of South Carolina. You know, that's what I was going to say that I'd forgotten about. So at work um, last week, I made a mistake at work and I felt so bad about it that I apologized to my boss. Um, but I had to stop myself from apologizing again and again and again, because every time I thought about it, I just wanted to send an email saying, I, I know I shouldn't have done that, and this is what I should have done instead, and blah, blah, blah. But that would really make me appear needy and anxious and unproductive, so I managed to stop myself from doing that. And I think that Mark Sanford should stop apologizing for his affair, because it, it, he should have stopped after the first apology. That's sufficient. Absolutely. I mean, there are opinion. ways to to apologize. Duh. One of the premises of the show is that some of those ways yes. are worth making fun of. Um, but yeah, no, when you apologize, yes, you know, sometimes we have this urge to, I don't want to call it over apologize, but just continually reference how bad we feel about the thing that we did. Right. Um, To make ourselves feel better. It's not for anyone else. Right. And, And then, you know, of course, there's no universal, like, 
when you over apologize, it always means that right. you know you did wrong. Or when you over apologize, right. it means that you really think you're right. Right. <laughs> you're just going to keep apologizing until people don't hear it anymore. And then a year yeah, later, you're going right. to say, remember that time I was right when I was hiking on the Appalachian Trail? And they'll be like, yeah, you wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> <laughs> so th so yeah. the over apologizing doesn't make it any more sincere. I mean, I'll, I'll say this about uh, back to our, our subject at hand. Uh, I'm going to call him. Mark Sanders, and that's not it. It's Mark Sanford, Sanford. Yep, which Mark I was Sanford. confusing with the university for the longest time. I really, every time I saw his name, <laughs> I Stanford. saw Stanford, and I was like, mm -hmm. there's so many jokes I could tie into this from our other podcast about Stanford, but all right, none of us work, because um, that's not his name. I got real excited about all the jokes I couldn't say, and, <laughs> and then I forgot my point. So we'll just assume <laughs> that it was stellar. Um, you know, over-apologizing and, and his apology in particular felt sincere to me. I don't think he was yeah. sorry yeah. for his actions. And I don't think he was yeah. sorry that he was found out. Of course, of course he was sorry right. he was found out, right? But I just right. think it was this moment of... Here's this guy who's just kind of been doing whatever he wants to do and getting away yeah. with it and used yeah. to being in power and used to having control and used mm -hmm. to spinning a narrative. Um, yep. And all of a sudden it's coming out that, oh, he's separated from his wife, like legally separated from his wife. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, he was having an affair with a mm -hmm. woman who was also married at the time. I don't know if she was. Oh, she was? Well, so they were. They had gotten separated. Um, I don't know how long that separation was. Um, I called her husband, but he hasn't returned my phone calls. <laughs> no. Um, so, yes, she was married at one point. And part of what made this situation move from friendship to romantic is she was having trouble with her husband and she would call her good friend, the governor of South Carolina. Mark. Yeah. To say, uh, and I mean, you know, mind you, she's supposedly from one of the oligarch families of Argentina. Uh -huh. I didn't know there were, but there okay. are apparently. So whatever politically connected, right? So um, he would air quotes around council. He would talk to her about like, oh, you're getting bad feelings from your husband and you're not having a great time. Well, have you tried this? Have you prayed about that? Blah, blah, blah. Um, and he spent so much of his time convincing her to stay with her husband that he sort of started to realize, oh, I have feelings for her. That's why uh, I'm working so hard to keep her in her that. marriage. Because uh. if she gets free, there's one less reason for me to like not fuck her. Uh, <laughs> Can you say that? Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. so you know, yeah. There's so there's all of that, and I think it's not so much like oh, this is the moment where he just decides to come clean. But as he says, right. he's just going to tell the truth and let the chips fall where they may. Right. Um, and so within all of that, it feels honest. And that feels honest. 
Pardon? It, it does feel honest that he. It does feel honest that he's confessing something, and that he wants to get something off his chest. But it, it's more and he like wants he something wants, to go away. He wants it to go away. He wants absolution for what he did, and he's not going to do anything different. He's just going to continue on down his path of of um, adultery. <laughs> well, no, no, he's going to clean up the adultery, right? Because. Um, He's going to try and make. Oh, that's right. He's going to try to fall in love with his wife again. Yeah. Yeah. He's... Oh, his poor wife. Can you imagine? Hi, honey. Hearing can that? you wear this Balin mask? <laughs> can you speak to me with a Spanish accent like Hilaria? <laughs> oh, my God. Hilaria. Oh, yeah. Hilaria. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you not I get my joke? About her. <laughs> no recuerdo. So, so, yeah. So he was not. Um, he was honest, but he was not maybe sincere um, in what he was looking for. And he didn't change his behavior. Um, did he apologize directly to his wife? Who knows? I would say who knows. And then sort of, of course, Probably all this is not. hindsight. It's, it's, it becomes a who cares, right? Because yeah. uh, Jenny did not take this lying down. She had an interview with Vogue magazine where she was a little saucy. I didn't read it. Oh, good. Uh, because I've just felt like, oh, there's so much here already that's all over the place. I mean, this is a messy yeah. situation, right? Because you've got this governor, he goes missing, he's married, he's got a mistress. The mistress is foreign and exotic and intriguing. Exotic. And exotic, yeah. right? You've got the Appalachian <laughs> Trail. You, she's from a wealthy family. It's like, there's a lot here. And then if I bring Jenny into this, no one's ever going to be able to follow this story, right? We probably should have looked more into Jenny, though, because I bet she's an interesting person. I wonder what she did. And I wonder, you know, what she's doing now. Well, I hope she's happy. That's all I have to say. I hope she found a, she found a happy life after Mark, and um, this, except for the kids, doesn't have to have anything to do with him anymore whatsoever, and is rid of him because I think she's better off without him. And so, what do we rate his apology um, on a scale of one to ten? With ten being the best apology ever made. Okay. Well, uh, this. This gets conf not confusing, but complicated because there's sort of like two things to evaluate in here, right? And so we've talked about the sincerity and uh, and then there's also the, how can you have honesty without sincerity, right? Um, well, yeah. So I like the, the impulse to come clean so yeah. publicly because uh, he's yeah. surrounded by... 25, 30 reporters. Um, and so respect for doing that, right? Because I really think mm -hmm. if I was in his shoes, I would have been like, listen, everybody, I was hiking. That's that. You know what, though? Every single married man who has an affair says they're going to try and go back to their wives at some point, I think. I don't think that anyone ever has an affair and then just gets a divorce and marries their partner. I think that's really rare. I think it goes through a lot of um, agonizing decisions. Yeah, whatever. I think Mark Sanford's an asshole. So I personally give this apology a five because I think that some part of him wanted to do the right thing and the apology itself was reasonable. Um, and I understand 
the difficulties of being in a relationship with a married person or being a married person in a relationship. Not that I've ever cheated on my husband. I would never do that. Um, but so I give it a five. What do you think? I don't think you would ever cheat on your husband. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> it's same, same, in case James ever hears this podcast. Totally, totally. Oh, never. You wouldn't cheat um, on my husband either. You know, it's it's a five for me, and it's a five for me because on the one hand, the that impulse towards truth, which was very apparent uh, in the video, yeah, I mean, that to me is like, okay, that's an eight. That's like real honest, forthcoming, but then so much yeah. bullshit. It's a three and three minus yeah. eight is negative seven, <laughs> but eight minus three is five. Yeah, and once so again, math five. is an inexact science. It's an art, really. It is. It's an art. <laughs> it's one of the so forgotten Mark's humanities. Gets a five. His wife, Jenny, gets a 10. Maria Balenciapur gets a five. Because she had an affair with a married man, which is not so great. And that she tried to do the right thing, sort of. But yeah, it's a five. So eh, there you are. I hope that Sanford does not run for president again. Although, so I was going to ask you about this. So it seems like the um, fellowship is behind Trump now. Um, oh, well, and yes. Supporting and, him and, and I would even flip that. I wouldn't say that. Yeah, they're they're behind him. But more it's like. Oh, we've got somebody who will do what we tell them to do, uh, right? Because you think he does? Trump he is did, a useful he, idiot. He, he appointed so many Christian conservative judges in their thirties yeah, to lifetime yeah. positions on the bench, oh, God. right? And these yeah. people want to do more than just simply outlaw abortion, right? Because right. if that's what they wanted to do, then they could spend all their money and all their effort and all their time into like creating marches and public relation campaigns and blah, blah. But they're interested yeah. in doing a lot more than just one single thing, right? Um, yes, sadly, scarily, yes. What? It's, just, it's all over the place with this, right? Because there's so many different um, versions of Christianity and right-wing Christianity. And we could just say right-wing Christianity as an umbrella term for all the different flavors of uh, right-wing Christian, uh, uh, Christian slash political Theology. power player grabbers, right? And so Mike Pence belongs to that okay. branch of Christianity that's apocalyptic. And I think there's a specific name for it, but let's just call them the Christian apocalypse, Christian apoca. <laughs> apocalyptic Christians. The Acapulco Christians. The apocalypticists. The apocalypticists. <laughs> It's even better. I can say that. I can say the wrong thing. I just can't say the right thing. All right. It's been the curse of my entire life. Um, so. So what these apocalypticists believe. Oh, are you asking is, me or telling me? I th I was like, I'm, I'm yes, sitting here I'm listening. Asking like, you. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, essentially. Well, it's a very complicated theology, apparently. Yeah. It's, Go ahead. It's, it's a pretty straightforward belief that. You can force the hand of God to bring about the end times. And so Mike Pence was dangerously close to that doomsday button that sits on the president's desk. Not the one that calls for Diet Coke. Oh, my God. Ex-president. Let's say that again. <laughs> nice. Ex-president Trump. Ex the former guy. Um, and, and that 
within this idea that anything you do that brings about the end times is acceptable, makes you a hero, right? Because you're bringing Jesus mm. back to earth. You're pressing the elevator mm. button and Jesus is going to just come on down and come on out, right? Um, which, of course, is exactly the same type of uh, belief, impetus, uh, impulse that other religious extremists have. Uh, suicide bombers, you know, it's perfectly right. okay to go in and bomb uh, a marketplace and kill innocent people because you're going to go to heaven for doing that, right? The fact that it furthers mm. some organization's political gains, oh, well, but you get to mm -hmm. go to heaven. Enjoy your seven raisins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, there's this whole thing about you supposedly get seven virgins if you... Seven or 70, I don't know. You get a lot of virgins when you... Uh, are a martyr and you make it to heaven and what are you fucking supposed to do with the virgins in heaven because like you don't think you can have sex in heaven i don't think you can have sex i don't think you should have sex in heaven do you think it would be heaven without having sex for many people with many people many people not everyone but people like some of our friends <laughs> <laughs> with <laughs> so heaven is is like a troop of bonobo uh chimpanzees and everybody is just yes, fucking everybody yes. left right and center good it's morning it's an ongoing orgy <laughs> what branch of christianity did you grow up with again because i was roman irish catholic and we did not have the fun stuff like that at all yeah god no, was watching you yeah, and the no, devil was too you're genitalist with wings <laughs> that's the best <laughs> That's totally the best. With wings. With wings. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just imagining getting smacked in the face by a flying penis. But not in a sexy way. In a... Oh my God. Uh, supposedly, yes. I think it's the whole point of it all. So anyway, we're all doomed because of these apocalyptic Christians of what who I believe said. they can do whatever they want. We're all <laughs> doomed. Of your joke about Christianity. <laughs> because of these apocalyptic Christians who are in power or were in power before Joe, um, good old Joe. Many of whom are um, still in power. They are sitting are on... Are still in power in local, state, and other Judicial benches. Governments. They're yes. arguably within the Supreme Court. I mean, Amy Comey Barrett, I don't think she'd yeah. be too far behind mike pence and pushing Marjorie that button green person oh my god whatever her name is they're crazy i don't even want to know her name and i do and it and it uh -huh. i had you know the drag is that she'll probably get reelected because probably. whatever district she's from has never it's had like this that. much press coverage <laughs> so they're all excited i don't know if they're getting anything out of it though but i guess as long as you get covered that's what matters uh, how did I end up in this world? Of all the possible worlds, how did we end up in this one? We just we woke up one, one morning. Channels have wings. <laughs> oh, well, what a heavenly world that would be. <laughs> oh, God. Like I said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in for a big disappointment when you get to heaven. I'm sorry. No, I'll just be the one to tell you. My heaven is just... No, my heaven is just horses and grass and beaches. And, and no genitals. My ties. Which gets back and to my no point genitals. of yeah. no sex in heaven. Right. Yeah. There, why do you need to have sex? You've got everything else. You've got everything else.
That's really what this all just boils down to. Um, it's messy. A affairs are messy. Um, Christianity is clearly messy. Uh, yeah. Human beings are messy. The world is messy. And our episode has been messy this <laughs> Super week. Super messy. <laughs> but Thank you for listening to us. It was messy us. on purpose because we were trying to get you a message through demonstrating messy How messy life too. is. Yeah. So yeah. thank you for listening to us, and we'll be back next week, uh, like it or not. Um, Will you? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we hope you will. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> we know you will. <laughs> <laughs> Say goodbye, Theo. <laughs> goodbye, Theo. listening to Apologies Accepted, the podcast. You can find links to articles and the sources in the show notes. To submit an apology or find out more, visit us at ApologiesAccepted.net, where you can also find our merchandise. We're on Twitter at Apologies Accepted. And on Instagram at Apologies.Accepted. You can support our important work at Patreon forward slash Apologies Accepted. And fuck Facebook. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>